Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, a partner in the Dillon Law Group, social media legend and free speech enthusiast. When I started the Coleman Nation podcast in the spring of 2021, its focus was on free expression and censorship on the internet. But as important as that subject is to me, which is very important, I felt hemmed in in the podcast. I wanted to spend more time talking to the interesting people I've met in my legal and free speech work without feeling a need to have them all make the same point. So I culminated the first series of the podcast and have started the second series. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations as much as I have recording them. Hello, culminators. A little while ago, actually, it was probably sometime, well, it was during the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. I don't really know, frankly, when that was. You know, at my age, time really begins to distort tremendously. It just seems like a few days ago, but I got to know a bunch of the a bunch of these wacky law tube guys, uh, as well as, uh, of course, I already had a friend who made a point of not wanting to be uh, associated with law tube, and I don't want to talk about Rick because he never talks about me. Actually, that's not true. Um, Andrew Esquire has a fantastic channel. Uh Hey, what's your channel called again? I, after Legal the, mindset. Legal, legal mindset. Legal mindset. Legal mindset. Over a hundred thousand now. He 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 passed that magic, uh, that magic uh, mark, uh, which means that he is. Uh, I'm talking to a very wealthy man here. Talking to a, a very a man of con- considerable means, uh, but nonetheless, he still deigns to 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 explain things. And I would love to get more 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 law tubers uh, on the show, but. Andrew really hit me in the gut with a recent video that I actually had the opportunity to mention when I did Timcast a couple weeks ago. Much appreciated, Ron. And it was it just was right there for me. And boom, about the kerfuffle over Disney's special colony in Florida. And it happens that Andrew knows wherever he speaks. You know, it's not like Ron Coleman. Ron, you know, can you can you comment on antitrust? Well, how much time do I have to learn antitrust before the show goes <laughs> <laughs> Andrew knows what he's talking about. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on this beautiful uh Independence Day season, this fantastic four-day weekend when we're rec- when we are recording this. I think, by the way, we should have a four-day weekend. I'm going for a f- there should be a three-day weekend in every month, which mm-hmm. we're pretty close to now, probably, and a four-day at least once a quarter. It's so, I, it's so good. It's so good for everyone concerned. But I digress. Andrew, what's the story? How you doing? Uh, no, I'm doing great. I'm having a great time here. Um, as you guys know, and as everyone knows, of course, I'm coming to people from across the ocean right now. Um, I just recently relocated. I was in uh, kind of home basing out of Korea. Now I'm spending a little more time in Thailand. There's a lot larger uh, expat community here. Just had a fantastic barbecue at the uh, joint U.S.-Thai military base. So that was actually a really fun experience talking to some of the old vets there. Um, but and you're still yeah, practicing, no, you're practicing law from there? So I so typically what I what I do when I can do and I'm still a fully barred Florida attorney I do all my you know check all the boxes off but typically what I'm doing falls more into a consultation role right now so I don't have to do as much but this comes from my background I'm a transactional attorney by trade not a courtroom attorney not a prosecutor right. you, not a you, you've ADA. been trans for a long time before it was fashionable yeah so <laughs> much before that took I was, him a couple beats but he picked yeah. up on it eventually yeah i got it i got it you know much before that we were we were uh we were dealing with restrictive covenants we're dealing with statutes we're dealing with all that sort of stuff because i was dealing with large property deals in central florida um i went to the university of florida for law school and when i came out my best opportunity was working in orlando florida for a mid-size ish law firm that actually had a lot of old boy connections. Um, one of our largest clients was Universal Studios. I make no, you know, hiding about that, right? That was one of our firm's clients. And I did do work for Universal Studios, particularly in their creation of their new um, theme park, which is going to come very, very soon, the Epic University Park. Um, so I did a lot of the behind the scenes work on that, purchasing the land, whatnot. But my main role was representing special districts in Florida, which is this weird thing. These are these creatures of the state, these little entities, very unique to Florida. Some other states have them, like Texas, for example, has them. Um, and even Illinois has them. But the law there works differently. The law in Florida, very transparent, lots of sunshine law, which is where you get all those lovely Florida man stories. Uh, it's because our sunshine laws are so stringent in Florida 
that we have to release our criminal records. It's also one of the reasons why all of our trials are typically uh, televised. So because of that strong presumption, you know, anytime there's a Florida case, you know it's going to be on TV, uh, which is great for us law tubers and those that cover these cases as they're televised. We love Florida because Florida cases are on TV and we can cover them on YouTube. Um, but I came out and I had no idea I was going to be on YouTube or anything else. I was going to be a typical law firm man, you know, the company man, if you will. Uh, and I had no idea what that meant. I was, you know, fresh faced. I had no family that were lawyers. I really had oh, no one telling like me the reality. Yeah, a, a lot of lawyers have the story. And, and, and particularly, I think it was even harsher because I think of our generational thing going on right now, whereas I was coming in as a young attorney promised that the older attorneys were all going to go retire. They were all going to go, you know, check out and whatever. And I was going to quickly move off the partner because there really wasn't a middle level. There were very young associates and very old senior partners. Um, of course, fast forward seven years later. And of course, that didn't happen. They were they were saying, OK, well, you know, when I really looked at it, they're saying, OK, we're going to die in the chair. You know, we're not retiring. So. Um, my focus was special districts. So I would go to these meetings of these special districts, like a city or a town or whatever. And I was their man. I was their counsel. So was there a particular reason that you were aware of why Florida was had, had this unique special districts um, jurisprudence and policy? Well, so people don't understand this, but Florida is really the other than, you know, Alaska is its own creature. But Florida was really one of the last frontiers. It was especially on the East Coast. It was the last state to be developed. So Florida, in if you look at back to the, you know, even, you know, the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, compared to other East Coast states, Florida was relatively undeveloped. And there was not a lot of infrastructure in place for companies, for businesses that wanted to come down and build in Florida. So as a way to do that, as a way to offset the fact that Florida was relatively undeveloped, special districts were a great vehicle to say, hey, look, you go in there, you build it. You're going to be under the auspice of the county or the state, if it's big enough, like Disney was. You're going to be under the auspice of the state. So you go in there and build it. We're going to give you some level of control, but it has to play by certain rules, right? You have your government, so you have to play by government rules. You're not a private corporation. So, for example, one of the things any government knows is you issue bonds. For example, bonds are used to build roads, pipes, pavement, all sorts of infrastructure. They got to be tax-free. They got to be tax-free bonds. And there's certain rules about those, certain federal rules, like they've got to be for a public purpose. They've got to serve the public, not just the interests, the private interests of a single private corporation. So this is a very important principle. And this is something I applied all across Florida as these large real estate development companies, um, you know, and I can name them. It's no secret. It's, uh, things like, you know, Mattamy, Tavistock, Pulte, DR Horton, big companies who do residential commercial developments would come in, they would create these special districts, they'd build the stuff, and that area, which is specially benefited by that, pays a little bit more in taxes. So these communities have a little bit nicer roads, they've got nicer pavements, they've got nice parks. So they pay extra, they have a special assessment on that area to pay for those extra things they have that they wouldn't otherwise have if they were just Joe Schmo in that county. Um, Kissimmee, uh, and really Osceola County, is a great example in Florida, in Central Florida. Anyone who's ever visited Central Florida, who's gone to Disney World, for example, uh, has driven in perhaps on uh, US 192. And there is no bigger change than driving, for example, from Disney World out of Disney World onto 192, seeing the very rundown hotels and motels, where, by the way, a lot of Disney housekeepers live, uh, unfortunately, and Disney staff lives. Uh, and then looking also to the right and seeing Celebration, a special district which has A plus level uh, level uh, amenities. So this is sort of a libertarian fantasy, right? Get, get, hey. Give private enterprise the oxygen, the space to develop it. And guess what? Your amenities, your public goods that everybody says these are externalities and and the state will never provide them unless we unless we tax better ones at least will will be will will develop yeah and people will pay for them i mean and there are people that will pay for them some people say oh that'll never happen this county is a rural county well guess what i've been in rural counties that have some of the nicest developments out there ever um that, that have you know a plus amenities lake county for example out there you can drive past horse pastures 
and into a community. Um, there's a community called Bella Colina um, that looks like it's out of Italy. Looks like it was ripped straight out of Italy and placed out there in central Florida. So you can have very, very nice communities out there um, where they're in the middle of nowhere. They're in a county that is. So yeah, it is a very libertarian concept uh, in, in general. Now, of course, there is room for abuse. Obviously, there is an issue if you start um, if you start spending tax money right to benefit a private corporation. That's when you kind of jump the line. And there have been cases. There was a very famous case in Florida involving a community called the Villages. Now, Ron, have you? I don't want to call you old, but have you heard of the Villages? Let's just say I'm familiar with the entire La Boca Vista phenomenon. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. So. Or, the, no, the sorry, village, Del Boca Vista was that what it is? Like Del Boca Vista, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. The my mother, is, my mother lives in a gated community in Florida, and you know, the, with the clubhouse, and you know, the the, and and yes, I am eligible to be a resident. <laughs> yeah, because all these places have age restrictive covenants. It was always fascinating to me. You can make an age restrictive covenant that keeps out the young folks, but you can't keep out the old folks. I'm like, well, that's, <laughs> you know, that's not fair to me. Um, but, but, all right, but all right, but no, yeah, these, these were retirement communities, but in one of those areas, they set up a special district in Florida. The most special district is called the community development district or CDD. Um, and they had a problem in that the company used these bonds, right. To finance certain things that were purely benefiting the development corporation and would never benefit the citizens. There was no intention for it to turn over to elected voters, no intention to turn over to the people. And this was something that was financially benefiting the uh, corporation. So they actually had to refund those bonds. They actually had to buy them all back, right? So these were millions of dollars of bonds. They had to buy them back and reissue them as taxable bonds, which cost a bunch of money after the IRS came down and looked at that huge event, huge scandal, reset the law, and really everyone in Florida, myself included, who's been doing this for the past decade has said, hey, we need to stay far away from this. There's and no what way. Year, what year was that around? That uh, the Villages case? 20 years uh, ago? I, I believe that was about 15, 20 years ago. Um, you know, and, and I can just really quickly look that up. But I believe, yeah, I believe that was about 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, you could say it's probably pretty accurate. Um, but that being said, um, this was a big thing everybody knew about, right? So everybody knew about the villages. They knew to avoid that. And by the way, uh, special districts have been around for a very long time, but they've been modernized. So there was a, a huge modernization effort in the 80s, 90s, even early 2000s, adding new legislature, which added transparency requirements, reporting requirements, auditing requirements. And I say this to, to zoom back to Disney. Disney was created in their special district, the Reedy Creek Impairment District, was created in 1960s, in the 1960s. None of this legislation that was created in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, to kind of clean it up, to regulate, to make sure they're reporting, make sure there's transparency. None of that applied to Disney because theirs was created by a special act of legislature, uh, which was passed through the Florida legislature. Now, that's not unique. They're not the only one. There's other special acts of legislature that have created special districts. But Disney was unique in that they had such crazy powers. Uh, they had. Let's, in this... take a, let's take a break here. Sure. It's the '60s, yeah. so the frontier is still that that much frontiery. Yes, Disney has been successful in California with Disneyland, yes. and now they're coming to the Wild South and saying to Florida, "We can we, we can make you the next California," which at the time was a a good thing. thing right um we're prepared to buy lots and lots of that florida swampland that everyone gets conned buying but we've got the money to really do something special and make florida matter not just for the old, old jews in miami beach but for regular americans for, for everyone okay so yeah so, so they're taking a certain amount of risk and and they're come and, and they're not only a certain amount of yes. prepared to make a major, major investment. Yeah, and, and I will say this, to give them a special district completely merited. It wasn't completely merited at that point, because at that point, yes, Orange County, Osceola County, they were nothing. They were orange groves. They were military bases. There was nothing there. So yes, they did not have the infrastructure to be able to service this development. Even to this day, I would say Osceola County could not do it. Orange County could, 
uh, but Osceola County certainly could not. Now, it would still be a major endeavor to try to take that over and run it and run the services, but um, it would still be a challenge even to this day for both of those. So, yes, having a special district was very much merited because, like you said, they're coming out there in their building. Um, I will point out, though, that nearby uh, Deseret Ranches, the Mormon church, people people know about the Jews in, in South Florida, but not so much about the Mormons. They forget about the Mormons. Uh, the Mormons bought up a huge swath south of Disney World. And they've been running agricultural and kind of business operations there for about as long as Disney. Um, so uh, up there, up there, further north in Disney World, they had these powers. Now, not just to build pipes and pavement and tax and whatnot, but also to be free, to be free from any regulation, from state, from county regulation, from oversight, to kind of govern themselves, to tax themselves at up to three times the rate of a normal municipality, city, county, because there were caps. Well, when you say free from, I mean, what regulation were they free from? Were they free from civil rights laws? Were they free from minimum wage laws? I mean, how? Right. And of course, of course, right. When I say that, I meant to say state and local, right? So the the thing that is burdensome to most state and local businesses are state and local regulations. Obviously, things that are at the national level are going to apply, right? Oh, no, no, but I even mean state level. I mean, I mean, of course, states didn't really start having civil rights laws so much that early i understand but and i guess what you to a large extent you're talking about land use laws development laws development, right right okay i get it yeah so and by the way these were applying to the district itself once again thinking about it from the beginning as a city or town right rather than a corporate entity and this is the thing that disney has been doing and what they've confused in the media is trying to say well this is like our subsidiary this is for example like lucasfilm or marvel or whatever else you think is a actual subsidiary of uh, disney in fact uh, they do have a subsidiary that does the contract electrical work for this special district. They work as a contractor. It's a very interesting way they do that. It skirts the line of legality. Um, but that being said, the special district is a, is like a city or town, right? So it's supposed to operate like a city or town. It's how much to like how much like the old industrial company towns of the 100 years ago is this? I, I would say this is very akin. In fact, uh, whenever I compare it, I think this could be the last true company town. I think this could have been the last one if you really look at how it was structured and how it was run de facto, how much deference it was given. It really was up until very recently, this case, you know, and this turnover being the thing, it really was the last major company town in America. Um, it's something you still see perhaps in other countries, but certainly not in America. So they had, they had weird powers. They had powers to build a nuclear plant, airport, and to have eminent domain beyond their borders, which is insane, something that no other uh, special district has. And frankly, most cities or towns, you know, uh, are very careful with that. They typically try to annex stuff before you're exercising eminent domain. So if a city wants to, for example, um, condemn a property that's just run down, they're going to annex it first. If it's in the county, in the unincorporated part of the county, they're going to annex it and then they'll do it. But Disney has this power to go out and say, no, we want that. We're going to get that. And We're did they ever did that. they ever use that power? Oh, in fact, yes, they did. So while I was working in Orlando, I was representing a neighboring special district, and they absolutely one hundred percent threatened us with imminent domain uh, to take our property to build a road improvement. So yes, they didn't plan to do that. They said we are going to expand our boundary. We're going to take that and we're going to make it ours. And we said, like hell, you are. You're going to have to negotiate with us because we say this property is worth millions of dollars and then you get in the old just compensation thing right the whole just compensation argument right a takings so i spent uh i spent about a part of two years negotiating across the table on behalf of one of my special district clients against reedy creek and what was funny to me uh working both with that client and representing celebration i represented the celebration special district which was created by disney but it turned over to resident control uh, and outside of the parameters of their Reedy Creek district, but still had some agreements with it. Whenever I would negotiate with Reedy Creek, I was always negotiating with Disney. Disney executives, Disney lawyers, Disney engineers, they were always on the call. So we knew the people that were there, the people that were on the ground, like myself, we all knew, hey, this is really a dangerous facade. They have people copied on emails. They have people giving approvals, right? It is just Let's flesh this out me, a little bit for the non-lawyers because sure. it's obvious to us why that's a problem. But, but sure. I, what I hear you saying is that 
Disney's supposed to, it's given that this special district was created for, for, for Disney. Correct. When you're dealing with this, with they're treating it in every respect, exactly like a subsidiary. Yes. So it's, it's not being run the way municipalities typically are, but it's being run like a business unit of the Disney corporation. And, and you can understand this from a corporate perspective. People can perhaps understand this with piercing the veil with their LLC, right? So if you're running it like a personal bank account or using it, you know, for personal expenses, whatever, the protections, those limited liability protections would be pierced for an LLC or any other corporate entity that you're just using as an alter ego. That kind of case law is, is, is fairly out there and easy to understand. So it's not one-to-one -one analogous, but I think it helps people understand what I was looking at in terms of the alarm bells going off, you know, saying, okay, this is a problem. And this is before DeSantis was even in power. This is actually before DeSantis was even elected. So uh, this was something that, that was clearly an issue going back in time. Uh, but of course I wasn't a law tuber then. I was just a lawyer in central Florida representing special districts. But a, a funny, a funny thing happens when you move around and when COVID happened. And that is I, Ended up, uh, after I learned I couldn't move up and the folks were never going to retire and let me hit senior partner and take over the business unit, um, you know, always wanted to have the little hand of control in there. I moved in-house, so I moved for a very large corporation. Um, I was doing hotels, timeshare sort of stuff, so still real property related, still largely looking at Florida um, law, Florida statutes. Um, but then COVID happened. And when COVID happened, I had the ability to work remotely. And I also saw, even in states like my own, even in Florida, uh, a large loss of our rights, our liberties. I saw the lockdowns. I saw what happened in terms of people's speech being silenced. Um, and I said, I've got to speak up. So I got on YouTube. And you know, I said, I'm going to get on here. I'm going to talk. And lo and behold, after a little while, this guy, Joe Nearman, gave me a chance on uh, his show. Uh, and he he put me in touch with uh, Mr. Nick Ricada, and the rest is history, and we're sitting here today. Joe was on before you. Yes. Yes. There we go. And you lapped There we go. Yeah. You lapped him. Admit it. Say it. <laughs> okay. Listen, I, Joe, was, Joe was on before me, uh, and, and despite the fact that my subscriber count has pulled ahead, I think that is a vanity metric, and in fact, a lot of times, if you look at people's views, you can see, hey, look, they've got a million subs, but they've got 2,000 views on this video. Uh, you know, what does Joe, it really matter? Joe has actually become kind of a legendary figure in in the sort of small circle he, that we're talking about. It's true. He, Joe is very successful. I owe a lot of uh, respect for Joe. He's still my good friend. Uh, you know, I used to do a stream with him every other week. We'd go back and forth. I've been traveling, moving around, kind of changing my format. So we haven't done those recently, but very much a lot of respect for Joe and Joe is good at what he does. He's absolutely made for this. And, and frankly, uh, Joe has the personality for it to be very successful, which is why I have a lot of respect. for. You no, know, I remember when he was doing in the backseat of his car, you know, cause his wife didn't want to, I mean, I, I have to shut, <laughs> I have to shut like four different doors when I, if, if I do one of these from home, because my wife doesn't <laughs> want to hear it. She doesn't even really want to think about the fact that I do them and I'm not even streaming, you know, this right, right. This mere podcasting. It's just a, it's just a possibility of, of of being on camera and being loud and hearing stuff. Yeah, sometimes the the glory of being single is is lost on me. But thank you for the reminder, Ron. Um, but no, it was something that came up, and now of course we're we're here, and it's been here. I'm here because of, of wonderful people like yourself and everybody else who's kind of done a done a, a service to me in having these discussions. We've talked not just here; we've talked on other channels, we've talked on other places where we've come together and we push against each other, we challenge each other, we pick each other's brain, and we are having honest conversations about the state of things. And I think when this really came up, what I was really interested in was that I saw a lot of my friends and even people I I liked like. For example, um, Robert Barnes, you know, uh, initially having a take on Disney that was different than mine. Um, and perhaps it was because I hadn't made a video yet and I hadn't really put my videos out there and kind of made the word. But this whole stirring up with DeSantis, and perhaps you can speak to this, Ron. I think at first, when this first came up, perhaps it's because of the DeSantis versus Trump stuff. Perhaps it's because of a gut reaction when any you say the word First Amendment. But there were a lot of folks, even on the right, that when they first heard about this, they jumped to the conclusion. They just rushed to the defense of, oh, this is an infringement upon business. This is an infringement on speech. Let's this take is... a step back and talk about the this. 
because you and I okay. both know what you're talking about, but we yeah. but the audience might not. Perfect. I, I think so if we a, I think we were having this discussion six weeks ago. Everyone would because it would be fresh, but it's sure. receded. So it'll, let's, it'll let's, be back, I'm sure. Let's rewind here real quick and give a little quick refresher. You know, rewind, right? So back to uh, where people would say this would start would be the parental rights and education bill. But I just want to say that Reedy Creek is an entity. This this government or corporate kingdom or quote company town, this has been something that has been on the chopping block for decades in Florida. It has been highly debated uh, by politicians on all sides of the aisle, including even their Democratic allies. Actually, Orange County, the local county, uh, was getting in a was going to sue uh, Reedy Creek over their charter, saying, "Hey, this is you know unenforceable. The way that they're um, acting in 2023 uh, is not permissible. The way they're interpreting their exemptions is not permissible. They owe us more impact fees, taxes, etc." Well, they actually came to a settlement um, with Orange County and said, "Hey." Don't sue us for 20 years and we'll pay you this money. So they, you know, did that. They bought it off. But that that was lifted. That 20 years had passed now. So they were up on the chopping block again. And it was only a matter of time before someone somewhere challenged them on something. It just so happened to come following the, let's say, dust up over the parental rights and education bill. And I will refer to it by its proper name. Because, you know, anything else is a propaganda name. And of course, for a little refresher, this was the uh, bill that dealt with the... Don't say gay, right? This yes, is don't yes, say sure. Gay. Don't say gay. I mean, which also is for the anti-grooming bill, right? So either one is equally accurate, uh, in my opinion, other than the parental rights and education, which is the legal name of that bill, uh, which involved the curriculum, class curriculum for kids K through three, um, and talking about any sort of sexuality as part of that curriculum, right? Whether that's any sort of color of the rainbow, right? Including normal sexuality. And by the way, as a kid who grew up in Florida, I'm from Miami, Florida. I grew up there, went to public schools. I didn't hear about any of that stuff till at least fifth grade. So just so you know, that wasn't that was something we didn't have to have as a discussion growing up in Florida when I was growing up. No, and I, I mean, think and, I turned, and it's an important point right. here is is that and I said this is what I actually a point that I made on. Yeah, did I mentioned that I was on Tim Pool, but that. Forget about heterosexual, homosexual, and other sexual. Mm -hmm. Young children really have no reason to be discussing sexuality. Young children. I understand in high school, okay. But young children have a natural discomfort and a healthy one with sexuality. There's a reason for that. And there's a reason the parents in, in normal times before the bizarre distortion of social mores um protected children from that regardless men women that's why we have movie ratings it was understood the young children all of a sudden when well listen this discussion we don't have to have but okay so that's that's now that all of a sudden i guess brings these long this bill which has been rolled over and the subject of debate for many, many years, all of a sudden people get interested. And DeSantis, of course, sees a political opportunity. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to say that my videos influence this, but I did put out a videos on uh, Reedy Creek being problematic and something to be looked at even back then, right, when this was dusting up. Um, and I've done videos on Reedy Creek before, kind of explaining how it is kind of it is problematic in terms of special districts in Florida. So I've, I've done that. I've put that out there. And... Um, it turns out that, hey, they pass a bill, um, the Florida legislature passes a bill signed by Ron DeSantis to sunset six, not one, but six different special districts that were enacted by the state bef before a certain point in the 60s at which there was further special district law that was passed for their jurisprudence. So they say, hey, we're going to sunset these six districts, not just Reedy Creek. Right, but six districts. So really quick, inclusive, of course. But so, so they're not saying we're going to bring these six districts into alignment with our current special district model. We're simply we're going to sunset them completely. These, the the this these territories, so to speak, are going to revert back to local municipal control. Yes, 
And uh, the way that works under Florida law, and, and of course, this was the the big, the big, uh, you know, people jumping up and down about the bonds back then, which they quickly went silent about once it turned against Disney. But they were jumping up and down because, as you said, they would revert to the city or the county, wherever they are. So people were worried, OK, well, some of these have outstanding bonds. What's going to happen? Well, anybody who knew, like myself, uh, got out there and said, no, well, what, what happens under Florida law is these bonds will revert to the county and the county has the power to create a new special district, a dependent special district. So in a creature of the county that levies taxes specifically on that area. And Florida law only allows those liens to be attached to that specific property. It does not allow it to become what's called a general obligation of the county. If you learn from, uh, this is a basic thing on the bar in Florida, but you learn the difference between general obligation bonds and revenue bonds. A general obligation bond can become the general tax obligation of the entire county. So the taxing power can be forced to be increased, right? The tax level can be forced to be increased to pay for these bonds. These were revenue bonds. Revenue means it's guaranteed specific revenue from specific property. And because of that, they never would have turned over. Of course, the Democratic allies, the mainstream media, the spin media, not knowing this, nobody knowing Florida law, everybody kind of just going out of all over the place with not contract law. And, and, and not you know. caring. I don't want to say or not caring because I'm sure they didn't know. But it's the, the, the actual, I mean, look, in general, journalists don't understand yeah. law. Uh, but they certainly weren't interested in the reality or, you know, or the, or the history or the policy. It was They were interested in a narrative opportunity. Yeah. And it was a good narrative opportunity and a very good one against a political uh, rival. I mean, and as you said, many on the right, not anyone I really hang around with, but some people traditionally known to be on the right uh, said, oh, no, this, you know, this, this is really a problem. Gosh, mm -hmm. you, you can't have government focusing on, on one company, which is a it's amazing to me. It's like there's libertarians who who forget that corporations are creatures of the state. Yes. And, but the but the crazy thing for me, Ron, was that all of them were ignoring the fact that where was Disney harmed by this? And, and this was the whole point. Disney at that point had zero standing because nothing happened to Disney. This entity was not Disney. It's not a subsidiary. It's not something that is part of the corporation. It is, it is a distinct legal entity, so much so that in their regular tax filings and their bond issuances, Disney executives had to swear that these were separate entities being operated independently, one operating the Reedy Creek District, operating as a public entity, and Disney operating as a corporation. They had to swear they were separate. To violate that, to go against that, is securities fraud clear securities fraud because this is a securities filing these are securities right people are buying and selling these you know daily people are buying and selling these bonds trading these bonds as securities so to lie about that is a serious federal crime so to me when i heard them making this argument i'm like are you really serious we're at the point where they're willing to risk that i'm sure their lawyers some of the lawyers were jumping up and down but the political messaging and the message was so strong i think they couldn't resist taking that tack, pretending that Reedy Creek was Disney, Disney was Reedy Creek. Uh, not the same thing. And of course, this First Amendment argument, the speech argument was brought up even then, right? Um, but the the case, uh, the cases that are cited and that Disney even cites in this recent case about First Amendment protections, they really apply to uh, when Disney says, well, governments can give people entitlements which they're which they're required to, which they're required to follow by and not retaliate against. But the case law coming for that, for example, is um, the uh, car case where, for example, they had a certain list of vendors for, I think it was car mechanics or contractors that were on a contractor list and they were removed from the list for not voting for the mayor, right? But that's not what we have here at all. What we have is, you know, not Disney. Disney was not affected at all. Disney was never taken off a list. Nothing happened to Disney. This there's separate a, entity. There's a doctrine called a, 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 the government 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 benefits. Yes. Not only can the state not um, not mandate speech based on based on viewpoint, but it also can't withhold benefits based on viewpoint, except in narrow exceptions. Where, for mm -hmm. example, the government viewpoint itself, where the where viewpoint is part of what is being promoted by the statute, and that was the premise of the of 
First Amendment case that I was involved in involving the registration of trademarks. And, 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 and I understand that. I get that that argument. And like I said, if it had been a Disney thing, I probably would have been with you. If it had been a Disney thing that had happened directly with Disney and it accrued to Disney uh, as a corporation. But this entity was not something they're entitled to. There are 1,900, almost 2,000, I'll say, effectively 2,000 special districts in the state of Florida, more being created every day. So, I mean, it'll get to that, get past that number uh, very quickly. In other words, it's a um, successful model. It's a success, a very successful. works for Florida big time. Very successful. I mean, the fact that I had a niche area, a niche practice that pretty much solely practiced in special districts. That, and now, look, I'm not saying there were a tons of people. There were probably 10 other lawyers who know about special districts in a deep way like myself. I just happened to be one of them and I happened to be on YouTube. Now to be you clear, know, the, there was no direct connection between the Disney woke issue and the special district. In other words, you might say there was a cause and effect politically yes. or culturally, but it's not as if the state said, or, or, or DeSantis even said, listen, uh, in order to get Disney to stop being so woke, Although but the argument was made, right? That let's I don't think we actually were, were explicit about this. Disney started pushing back about this the don't say gay bill. Yes, correct. Let me be very clear. After internal uh revolt, right? Because they started all of these uh equity groups, these community groups, and then Disney uh started under Bob Iger, a very, very democratic leaning, you know, democratic presidential hopeful uh within Disney. Um, who was intending to uh, remove and did successfully remove during all this his uh, successor, Bob Chapek. So, you know, B Bob Iger went out, Chapek came in, then Chapek went out, Iger came back. Um, and in the wings of this happening. So this is something that, and Bob Iger, by the way, at this point, never le really left Disney because even though he retired as CEO, he was still on the payroll, on the dole as a high paid consultant. And he had an office at Disney. So he, the, the scuttlebutt, and I tend to believe the scuttlebutt, particularly brought up by my good friends, WW Pro, Volume Renegade, these, these Disney guys who know more about this, who have been working a well, lot I've with been on watching this. All, I've, been, I, I've been on a steady diet of that stuff. Valiant's a great the, guy. These guys, these guys really know what they're talking about. And I like collaborating with them because they've got that perspective. And it pretty much is very clear that Bob Iger orchestrated this um, to remove uh, Chapek, to you know, get back in and as well as to cause this fight with DeSantis, because this is something that politically would have been a strong move, you know, as Mickey Mouse versus DeSantis. Um, but it's and fascinating, though, because all these all these Disney trashing uh, channels, they talk about the business, Disney's pre extraordinarily precarious business situation over the last year or so, mm -hmm. last couple of years. They, you know, and, and this weekend, you know, the the, the Indiana Jones Battle of Destiny failure, yeah. Has has been, you know, <laughs> I mean, these guys are going nuts. And I think I, I like about your friend Valiant is that he's very measured. I mean, yes. I, lo I love Nerd Roddick. I love Gary. Uh, but, you know, he's he, he his politics are front and center. Uh, mm -hmm. Val, I think, comes, you know, comes across as, as very, very balanced. I'm talking about, you know, a much smaller channel, but I think he's going to continue to grow. Um, it but and he's focused on numbers. He's focused on numbers, not, dollars. Yes, and he's too. very, very meticulous. But what I see is that is that none of them are talking about this political angle that you just mentioned. They're all talking about about the business, the hotel failure, uh, you know, all lots of bad decisions, business decisions that were made. And that certainly makes it if if your hypothesis is right or what your people are telling you is right, it, those certainly make an excellent cover. Uh, but then again, well, the entire arc of of Disney's you know, corporate governance for the last couple of years has been politics over business. And, and, and absolutely. And we've seen this, and this is certainly why I like to look at things, sit back and zoom out and look at the boardroom and the courtroom as closely related. I think that, you know, politics, the boardroom, the courtroom, these things are going together. So I think you do have to look at law, business and politics, because it, lately these things have been entirely intertwined, right? Very closely intertwined. So I think it does miss something if you just zoom in on one and, and, don't look at all the others, which is why I do like looking looking uh, at it at that angle and bringing that to the table when I talk to these people saying, hey, look, there's a political and a legal side of this, which you need to incorporate in this analysis because these things are not going on in a vacuum. A corporation, and I know this because once again, I worked as in-house counsel, they're looking at everything. They're not just looking at one thing. They're zooming out and they're looking, okay, what's the political fallout when we do this? And they certainly knew where this was going to put them politically, particularly going into an election season. Where do things stand now? 
So right now, where we're at right now in 2023. It's uh, the first we week of July when we're recording this. I don't first think, week of I'm July. Not let, I'm not going to let this get very moldy because I do want it. I, it is a little bit more time sensitive than some of the other stuff I'm doing. And we may, we may, I'll say this right now, we may have some um, action in both of the cases within the next 30 days. So, you know, if this was goes out beyond 30 days, hey, or even 15, perhaps, if they judge rules quickly, uh, there could be a change in this. But right now we have two lawsuits. We have one in state court, which the mainstream media is not talking about. They're doing their damnedest to avoid talking about this. There's one in state court for the Central Florida Tourism Oversight District that is the successor district. So the Governor DeSantis and Florida legislature appointed uh, board that succeeded Reedy Creek. They're suing Walt Disney World Parks in state uh, court in my former district in the 9th Judicial District in Central Florida, right there by lovely Lake Eola. And why, um, okay, and what's their claim against Disney? So that issue is rooted in state law. That's why it's the proper case. Because, of course, as you know, property law, very much state law related, very much statute related. There's a lot of uh, both statutes and property law, contract law that is triggered by that. Uh, the long and short of it is in the last minute before the, the district transition from Disney controlled to DeSantis controlled, they made these last minute development agreements. And these and filed these restrictive covenants. Now, if you know anything about restrictive covenants, there are very specific elements to create a restrictive covenant. A restrictive covenant is like that thing that's in your HOA, your homeowners association, that says you can't paint your house purple, or you know you have to you know cut the lawn on a Tuesday, whatever else, whatever restriction they try to have. These are private restrictions. Now, these are generally enforced. These are generally okay, but there are certain elements and requirements to enact restrictive covenants in the state of Florida. They also tried to enact a development agreement. Now, this is a statutory agreement. This is not freedom to contract. This is not something you and I, Ron, can just do willy-nilly. This is a specific type of government to private entity agreement that deals with development rights. And development rights are what allow businesses to build. So, for example, if you want to build a bunch of hotel rooms, you need to have the development rights or the keys to build those hotel rooms. You have, you have been granted permission by the local government to develop that. So up until- so if That's like a certificate of need for a hospital? Sure, exactly. It's like you have to have the permission to build what you want to build there. People are familiar with zoning and everything else. It's similar, right? You need permission if you want to build a industrial plant to build it. Sometimes you can't build it. Sometimes you know it's in the wrong area, whatever else. So Disney wanted to grant itself all of these development rights. Now, these development rights are typically held by the government. And there's an important reason why they're held by the government. They're held by the government because the government is typically maintaining things like conservation land, like, um, you know, environmental offsets. They're paying for or that. Whatever you, whatever, you, whatever they may be, yeah. if you believe that there ought to be regulation of anything, Right. Presumably, the government is acting in the public interest. We, we're, we're a little Correct. bit we're a little bit less naive about that now than Correct. we might have been in earlier times. But that's the government's job. And, the, and that's the job is, is different. <clears throat> and that and that's the way it is everywhere else in Florida. Right. And that's the way not just Florida, but across the nation. Right. The, the governments are vested with these rights. Now, we can go back and you and I could have a, a an hour talking about Euclidean zoning and my issues with Euclidean zoning. That's a whole separate Maybe we podcast. should do that. Maybe we'll do that on your show. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to do that. I've, on done, my show. I've done my share of land use, actually. And, and, and it's, it's interesting. It's very fascinating. I think yes. people don't understand how this affects you in your day to day. But that aside, right, those arguments aside, right, and us getting ultra libertarian and and, you know, wanting to build our seasteads and everything else. Um, although I think Ocean Gate will kind of <laughs> put a little put a little pushback on the seasteads. But that being said, um, these these rights were passed at the last minute with no notice, and the the notice wasn't proper. It wasn't according to the statute. And these things have to be done to the T, right? Or they are what's called void ab initio. It's not some Harry Potter word, guys. This is a legal term, void ab initio, as if it never existed, right? So it is as if the, the contracts, the agreements never happened. Uh, the restrictive covenants were actually embedded within the development agreement. So the development agreement permitted them to be recorded. So this voiding of- speaks a judgment- against the development agreement saying the development agreement is void ab initio everything that was done there under is void ab initio now the district itself and the florida legislature 
have ruled, have said they are void ab initio. However, the um, rule has always been, even in the statute, for the judicial branch to confirm this and to make sure this is absolutely cleared out. And also the judicial branch is allowed to fine or punish the entity, which would be in this case, even Disney, uh, if there's any improper action here. So if there's anything that was done that wasn't proper under the statute, it's within the parameters of the court to issue certain sanctions under the statute. And they've got to determine that themselves. So they've got to go through that process of looking at this, making sure these are avoided, clawing these back. And why this matters is Disney has a federal case going on right now. And the majority, four out of five of the claims, are all based, their standing is entirely based upon these last minute 11th hour, con when this 11th hour contract, these agreements, right? If this agreement is void in state court, they have no case. Because what they've sued under is primarily contracts clause, takings clause, due process. That's their primary way of attacking this, right? So because that's their primary uh, mode of attack, and you actually see in their complaint that they argue contracts clause, takings clause, and uh, due process first, right? Which if you know anything about structure, you typically lead with your strongest strongest arguments. The, the First Amendment is at the very bottom, is at the absolute end. So if these are voided, they've got one single cause of action, one single First Amendment against DeSantis, and good luck with that. Uh, saying that, hey, we're going to claw back this action related to RCID because DeSantis has said some mean things about Disney once. If that is the legal standard in any jurisdiction, uh, we're definitely doomed uh, because people are uh, people are saying mean things about all sorts of people all the time. Right. I mean, look, look the exception is Donald Trump. It might also right. be Ronald DeSantis, DeSantis but we'll, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see. But as you said, uh, if you, it's it's a very very different case going in there uh, on on you know First Amendment grounds only compared to going in there on these statutory you know these traditional statutory and common law grounds, yeah. and it's also an it's an an even differenter case if you've had four out of, if you've filed five and you end up with one that sort of colors the one inevitably. And, and let me be clear about where we're at. In both cases, we have dueling motions to dismiss, right? So obviously Disney wants the federal case. They want to be in federal court. They think it's more favorable to them. It's favorable certainly to their PR argument, to what they've put out, what they've endorsed, what they've talked about. So they want to be in federal court. So they're solving this, I assume. Uh, yes. So that that's going to be more favorable to them. You know, I mean, I, that is a pretty. Oh, excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, they're Northern District. They're oh, Northern, Northern District. District? Okay, so, so yeah, that... sorry. And they they've already had to be very clear. They were going to get a judge, uh, Alan Walker. They're going to have a very liberal leading judge who ruled against DeSantis repeatedly in the past yeah. on COVID, right? Who made several comments about him on COVID. In fact, he made comments on the record about Disney being a per se case of discriminate or retaliation, et cetera. You know, in his hypotheticals, um, you know, sua sponte offering that up as an example. Um, so he was actually, he recused himself. He denied their motion to, to remove him, but he then he proceeded to recuse himself over a third cousin or something owning a couple shares of Disney stock, which came out to like 300 bucks. Yeah, wink, wink, nod, nod. So he didn't, um, he wasn't so confident about what the 11th Circuit would say about his bias. Yes. He nullified it by coming up with a cousin. Exactly. And now he's got, it's in the hands of a Trump appointee, a different judge. Uh, so that's going to be up now. So obviously there's a motion to dismiss the federal case, which both, there's two motions actually, one that the district is bringing and then one that DeSantis is bringing because DeSantis wants to remove himself as a party. He wants to get out of it and say, hey, look, all I did is sign the law, right? The proper party, and I said this from the beginning, is the district, right? Is to sue the district because the district is really the one taking the actions. I do understand that, hey, one of those causes of action is entirely aimed at Ron DeSantis, Right. Entirely aimed at his uh, speech and what he said about Disney. Um, however, you know, now we're going to have a ruling on which one is right. And I am very certain that it is not going to go Disney's way. Well, what, uh, that being said, what has in 2023 it has <laughs> been their year? 
Because uh, according to their narrative, right, according to their narrative, the only way for Disney to get a win here is if the state case is entirely dismissed and the, you know, so the state case completely goes away. And then the federal case and the federal case, they get to keep all of their claims and they're completely there. All the parties get to stay around, you know, uh, all of that is that's not going to happen. Is there right? a state in the federal case? That would seem the most. There has not. There has not been a stay yet. And that's what my like you said, the most logical thing is a stay. Right. So the most logical thing is a state or a dismissal without prejudice, right? One or the other. Uh, effectively, it's the same result. Right. So saying, hey, we're going to leave this pending the resolution of the state case because you're predicated on the state case. And it's ironic because uh, D Disney tried to argue in the state case that everything is moot because the legislature and the district ruled these agreements avoid ab initio but yet they're still keeping their causes of action based on that in the federal case. So clearly there is a need for a declaration by the judiciary that they avoid ab initio. So Andrew, this is this is great stuff. And I, and yeah. I, I really thank you for spending, yeah. you know, the better part of three quarters of an hour. I think you, I think we, boom, we're right up to the minute. Yeah. I And I have a much better understanding now of what this is about. Uh, and, I, and I think it's going to be valuable for everyone concerned because it is this litigation has not gone away. No. Um, I do think that this is one of the few uh, attacks on DeSantis that has not come from Donald Trump uh, in, you know, in, in the last uh, several months, which is, you know, uh, it's the kind of thing that you, you would think uh, all conservatives would, would agree on this on, on, the, on the merits. But uh, not everyone thinks things through, but certainly not everyone has the level of understanding it and, uh, you know, that you do in the subject area and uh we'll keep an eye on it and hopefully we'll have a chance to check back with you after a future development and, and i say to my conservative brothers and sisters you know when i when i issue critiques or kind of educate it's a mean to educate and to, to help everybody understand because i truly believe there's a lot of good people out there who simply didn't understand the issue and that's why i think we exist that's why your channel exists to help people understand to help people come around and get a better grasp of these legal issues and the breadth of these legal issues andrew fantastic We'll talk soon. Legal mindset, everybody. That is, you know, we, we need to open up space between Andrew and Joe because Joe does have an attitude. Uh, no, it's, you know, all my all my friends, it's, it's a great, good time is had by all. We had, and also some of the best e-drama, uh, you know, last year, not so much now, but it'll come back, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, again, Andrew, stay, you know, have, I'm, I'm sorry that we can't uh, meet in person in the foreseeable future. I don't have any plans to be in Korea, but I'm sure you'll be uh, around. Back, I'll be back stateside very soon, and I hope to make a quick stop somewhere where you're at oh, uh, whenever I'm back. Keep that in mind. All right. So long. Thanks again. Take care. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.